This episode is brought to you by HP+. In a world full of smart devices, isn't it about time your printer got smart too? Now printing is smart with HP+. And the HP Smart app is how it all happens. You can print from your phone with just a tap, no matter where you are. Even from your garage slash home office slash yoga studio. Huh, that is smart. HP+. Learn more about smart printing at hp.com slash smart. This episode is brought to you by PayPal. These days, choices are everywhere. Like, for instance, the milk in your coffee. Would you like it from a cow? A nut? A tree? Everyone wants options. And now your customers have a new option in the way they pay. With PayPal in person. Just generate your unique QR code in the PayPal app for them to scan. And start accepting PayPal in person today. Learn more at paypal.com slash us slash get QR code. Hello and welcome to episode 178 of the Washed Up Emo podcast. I am Tom Mullen from washedupemo.com. And today we welcome Tony Joy from the band Moss Icon. Moss Icon were only around for four years but impacted multiple genres and countless bands after their short time together. They are an icon in this scene and it was absolutely fascinating to hear Tony's perspective on DIY and the music scene from his vantage point for a band that was only around from 1987 to 1991. We talk about how he met Jonathan Vance, the singer, finding punk and hardcore in the suburbs of DC, and the first time he heard the word emo. We also go deep into his relationship with that word and what he thinks about it now. Tony was honest and someone I wish I could have talked to for hours. Lucky for us, we got him for an hour and a half speaking about a time and a place where many of the bands we love today bore some lineage to the bands Tony was in. If you have no idea who Moss Icon are, take a listen online, spend some time, and if you do know, you're going to hear some stories that you've never heard before on this podcast. Thank you to everyone out there that's been supporting the podcast and everything else with Washed Up Emo through Patreon. You keep the lights on. If you want to support, head on over to patreon.com slash washedupemo. This is episode 178 of the Washed Up Emo podcast with Tony Joy from Moss Icon. I was really young. I, I was, you know, it was the 70s, early 70s, and um, I was just really drawn to like, like you know, hard rock or heavy rock, whatever, you know, like rock music from that era. Um, you know, like I joke with people sometimes, like when I was five years old, I didn't have like a Sesame Street record. I had like a, you know, Deep Purple record or Uriah Heap or something. And it was mostly the influence of like my parents. And to, to some extent, <clears throat> my older cousin, um, but my father was a musician. So I think that, you know, being around that at a really young age definitely had some effect on me. And it also sort of just, you know, that was an era where people, you know, everyone was just like long haired and, you know, it was like, you know, the early seventies, the spillover of the late sixties and that whole, you know, countercultural thing. So I, it just had a huge impression on me, even at a young age. Um, and I think that's really what just got it rolling. Um, and just all through the seventies, you know, I loved 
all of that kind of, you know, music. Um, but then it was sort of like, I am, I also easily just gravitated towards weird shit in the late seventies when, when things started to get, you know, like, especially back then punk was, you know, something was called punk could have sounded so different than this other thing that was called punk. So I, I just, anything that was really just weird or avant-garde also really gravitated towards just because, I mean, you know, over the course of the seventies, like, you know, bands like, you know, Led Zeppelin or whatever, I mean, they might've started out as being, you know, that was kind of revolutionary maybe like just to have really loud rock music, but then it became a commodity or whatever. It, it just became like, you know, kind of watered down like everything or a lot of things. So I, I was always kind of like, I had one foot in that still, but I was also like always kind of had my antennas up for anything else that was like weird or unique. And, you know, and, and that kind of got more in the late seventies, early eighties. My older cousin was in a, just kind of like a cover band. They played like, you know, like stones and who <clears throat> songs and stuff. But one of the guys in the band was really, really getting into like stuff when it was happening, like, you know, whether it was Throbbing Bristol or Joy Division or, or whatever. Um, and my cousin would borrow records from him. And it's almost like my cousin maybe wasn't super into him, but then I would just like, because at the time I lived with my cousin, um, you know, I would like listen to him more than he did. I was just like, well, this shit's awesome because it's just like fucking weird and crazy. Um, and of course, you know, the way that, you know, hard rock kind of spilled into becoming, you know, evolved into being like early metal or, or metal or just like, you know, whether it was like Judas Priest or whatever. I mean, I love that stuff too, or Motorhead. So it was just sort of all the, you know, like the loud, like sort of, uh, you know, music that the church wouldn't like or whatever, like the, the average normal people wouldn't like. I just like, that was just sort of like what I was raised on from a, like literally from when I was like three or four or five years old. So it's sort of like you had loud and weird. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. Loud and weird, or, you know, but I mean, I, there's all kinds, even from early, you know, I like, you know, I love Bob Dylan or something, you know, or like Richie Haven. So it was all like pretty diverse, like always for me. And that's, that's just always how it's been for me, you know? So, um, and when I, I mean, even when I st- like the f- started playing music and started a band, you know, I never really felt like it was specifically this w- one thing. It was just kind of like a weird thing that was sort of it's kind of coming out of its own realm. I don't really know how else to describe it. But I was also sort of like kind of a loner kid, so I didn't really have that many friends or anything. I think once I was in high school, you know, and by then like pretty immersed in underground music, whether it was like punk or hardcore or metal or whatever. And, um, you know, like I hung around like these skateboarder guys and, you know, they would go listen to from anything from like Metallica to like some hardcore bands. So it was pretty, you know, it was like, there was a certain common like interest in that sense with other people I met or knew just, you know, a small group of people. Cause it was funny. Cause back in like the eighties, you know, in high school, it was, it was, I don't know, there weren't that many weird kids or, you know, there weren't that many kids who were into like, you know, punk music or like, you know, metal or whatever. So we did sort of cross paths and have some crossover as far as our interests, you know, and I'm sure even going into like, if someone went to high school in the nineties, 
it would probably, depending on where you went, I'm, I'm sure it was like very similar. I feel like with the advent of the internet and all that maybe isn't quite so much like that, but I, I'm not really sure. I haven't really like paid close attention to like younger kids or how like how things work for them, like culturally or in a more like a counterculture type way. But, um, but yeah, I mean, there were just like a handful of weirdos when I was in high school, especially like, like the first couple of years, I think by like the, to- the time I was a senior, there were definitely like, it was almost like there was more interest, like getting to be more interest in that kind of stuff. Or maybe like when I was a senior, like kids were a couple years younger than me. It seemed like there were more of them who at least were into like, you know, like new wave or just like, I guess what started to be called like alternative stuff that was a little more like, you know, accessible. Can you talk about that? I guess like looking back on it, it kind of like sort of like as the eighties went, you know, went along from the beginning to the end of the eighties, I feel like, you know, I think a lot of it might've had to do with MTV, even though like, you know, obviously MTV even early on was putting more emphasis on like, you know, I don't know, Michael Jackson or something like more like, you know, super pop, popular music or Van Halen or something. But, you know, they had, I remember it was like a big deal, especially early on, because a lot of people would probably remember 120 minutes, which I think was on MTV, like Saturday nights, the kind of late or something. And I, I know I've talked to people who are maybe like between your age and my age. Um, cause I'm like almost a decade older than, older than you. So, um, and I feel like they kind of started checking out 120 minutes maybe like six months or a year after it had started. I feel like when it first started, it wasn't even every week. I just remember picking up on it really early on. And um, even before that, I feel like there was another show that segued into that. And I think there were only a few episodes. I feel like it was called IRS, the cutting edge, like IRS records maybe had something to do with it. And, um, yeah, I, I had some, like, videotapes I had taped when I was a kid. I've, like, you know, I actually recorded it, but, I, I mean, I've lost them over the years. But I remember there being, like, one where it was – and the, the host was Jules Holland, the guy from Squeeze. And um, I just remember there was one where he interviewed Jello Biafra. And it was, like – I mean, this was, like, 19 – I feel like it had to have been, like, 1983 or something. Because um, they showed live footage – of the Kennedys. And it was like, I think the same footage from that movie, Erga music war, um, which was also like, you know, IRS somehow IRS records was involved in that. So, uh, I think it was just like in the early eighties, they somehow they got their foot in the door to, uh, well, I don't know, miles Copeland maybe cause you know, um, but they got their foot in the door of MTV to have that. But yeah, this was, it was amazing. Like the interview of Jell Biafra was amazing. I've never even looked to see if someone put it on YouTube. It might be on there, but it would just be like, like Joel Holland interviewing Jell Biafra, like at a picnic table outside of like a, like a, a hot dog stand or something. Um, but so there was that. And then there was 120 minutes, but I remember like early on 120 minutes, like, I mean, there was like an episode where it was like the Minutemen, you know, it was a fucking Minutemen. It was amazing. And, um, you know, just like, or like they'd show like a meat puppets video from like their second album or something. So there was definitely a lot of SST presence as well, which makes sense. And I think that kind of like over a course of a few years sort of mutated or evolved into being more like what, you know, like college rock or like, I guess, alternative rock. Um, 
but you know, not like nineties alternative rock. This is still very much the eighties. So it was like, you know, like, you know, like who's do or like a rain parade or I don't know. I like, I honestly haven't thought about this in years, so I can't remember that much. <laughs> Did you know you that know? that and phrase is said the most on this show? That is, that is the phrase. <laughs> don't worry about it, Tony. <laughs> yeah. What do you think about, so, you know, hearing all those things and you've, you've got, you've got all these influences and what about when you started playing? What, when you started playing, um, the good, well, the guitar? Well, it's, it's kind of funny because, you know, like I said, I was around these long haired rock and roll musicians from like when I was a little baby. So, you know, by the time I was like four or five or six, I was like clamoring, like, I want guitar lessons. I want a guitar, you know? And, um, for whatever reason, like my, my, just like the dynamics of my family or the, the like bizarro dyna- dynamics of it. Um, it never really happened. Like occasionally my mo- my mother would be like, Oh, I know a guy who can give you lessons or, or this or that or the other thing. And it just, you know, and I, I was probably like only randomly persistent. So I probably like didn't really push hard enough. So I really didn't start playing guitar until I was 16 and I could go drive. And <laughs> I met my father at a guitar store and like, he was supposed to maybe buy it for me, but we ended up, splitting it i don't know i think he wanted me to pay some of it just out of like a you know like being responsible type thing um but like his half of it was like a present for like christmas or something so it was really not until i i had a driver's license and i could just like go get the shit myself that i got a guitar and my cousin just showed me how to make a bar chord and that's it i never actually got lessons so but i wanted to play music from when i was a little kid and i think it was just because the way it made me feel like I was just, I was obsessed with music. You know, I was just obsessed with it in, in a way I can't even explain just mostly like distorted guitar. Like, I don't, I don't even know how to explain it. It's like almost like a spiritual thing or something like, which sounds really like stupid maybe, but not at all. Um, so, so I was just like attracted to it, you know, and it was just a matter of, it took like a little over a decade for it all to come together for whatever reason. So then it was like, I was 16. Um, you know, I might've even gotten, oh, actually, you know, I might've gotten a guitar before I had a driver's license. I think I had, I think when I got a driver's license is when I went and drove and got an amp, like a better amp than my first amp. But no, now I think about it. I, when I, when I went with my father to get the guitar, I was still 15. So I got it when I was 15. And just like I said, my cousin was a musician. He was a drummer, but he could play anything. Like he, he was even by the time he was like in his early twenties, he was playing guitar and, you know, keyboards, not just drums, but he, um, he just showed me like bar chords and maybe a few other chords. Uh, and then, you know, I just figured it out from there. In high school, it was like, I was really into music, but I didn't really know that many people. And I, I was, like I said, I was kind of just like an introvert or whatever. So I didn't have that many friends. I wasn't like in the band or whatever, like the high school band, or I didn't really know like too many of those people. Um, it really was just like, I wanted to, I didn't even know anyone to really even do it with. Like I talked to a few random people, like maybe between the age of 15 and 16, um, and, you know, kind of like went over and, you know, like jammed with, uh, some random people and nothing really clicked. And I wasn't really sure, like I was actually pretty clueless as to what to do about it. But then I had 
one friend who was in my high school for a while until he like transferred to a different one. And that was Jonathan, John Vance, the singer of Moss Icon. And, um, he and I just kind of connected on like, not even like a necessarily a musical level, but just like more just like our view of how the world was and how just odd people are and just like how bizarre reality is. Cause he, he's not, he was never like a, a, I mean, you know, obviously he's like a music, he has music he really likes, but he was never like a music person or a musician or even like a singer. He wasn't like, you know, trying to be like a singer or something. He was more of like, just like a person with ideas and a writer. Um, so when I started to want to do some kind of band, I was just like, well, you know, I just felt like he should do, he should be the singer just because he was like a writer. I, d I didn't like want someone who was like fucking like, you know, like what's the journey singer, Steve Perry or something like someone who just can sing like, like some operatic voice or something. Like I didn't care about that. I was more into like ideas, not even like specific ideas, but just ideas that were just like, you know, more like fuck society or just like, you know, counter to like the status quo. Um, and he was definitely like a unique, interesting person. So that was sort of like, all right, like, and he knew someone who, you know, he introduced me to, to someone who played bass and she was really into like the idea of doing a band. And like, it took us a little while to find a drummer and, but it was definitely like an odd assortment of people. It was, it wasn't like everyone was like, sitting in the room 10 hours a day practicing and taking lessons. And it's just like this, you know, kick-ass musician who's just like going to have like, you know, go to like Berkeley college of music or something. It, it wasn't like that at all. It was just like, we were all fucking weird. I mean, like our drummer was like, uh, like, I know he, he would get, he like, I think he got kicked out of high school. Like he was just totally like pretty, a pretty wild person. And like, like super rebellious and just like got into like that kind of trouble. Um, so yeah, it was just like a pretty oddball collection of people. And I was always like, you know, the one who was like, ha had some vision. I don't know what the fuck it was, but I was like, we have to do this. We have to have a band. It wasn't even like, I think it was just to be like, it was almost like having a gang or something to just like, opposed society or something like I, I i don't know how else to explain it how can we have like this like cohesive unit unit that's also like in, in an abstract way like just rebelling like not really you know it's sort of like almost nihilistic but um so yeah it was, it was a little bit of both i guess a little bit of everything it was definitely a melting pot was the idea of the name of the band and, you know, what you guys were going for, was it that same sort of rebellion? John came up with the name and I think that it was just like, it was like really, really hard to come up with the name. And I was kind of like, well, you're the, like, you're the, the idea guy. <laughs> well, you're the guy, well, the guy who writes the words. So, and, you know, I kind of like, I think the first time we ever really played, we, we, didn't even have that name yet and we hadn't really decided on a name and um i mean i don't know i can't remember it might we might have just played like in someone's basement to like five kids or something but um but you know the name was just like uh i don't know i just always thought of it as coming from a really heavy abstract concept you know like um i don't know really what else to say about it like 
when he said the name, I was just like, fuck, that's like the greatest name ever. I was like, okay. I was like, you know, like it ended up to where like the, the band almost like never lived up to the name. Cause it just always crashed and burned. But it's like, I was just like, fuck that name's awesome. Like, where did you like, I didn't even ask him where I like, I didn't, I asked him in my head, where did you come up with that? Cause I didn't even want to ask him. Like, I didn't want to know. I just was like, all right, that's the name. I think the first year of that band, I didn't really have a job. So I was still like living at my grandmother's and, um, uh, but then it was sort of like, Oh, well you need to like move out or get a job or get a job and move out. So I got a job, but initially the first year or two was like, I, I guess I got pretty wrapped up and obsessed with it because like, that was like where most of my time and energy went. Uh, I, you know, I remember being like, oh, God, I don't know, I guess I would have been 13 and like hearing about like minor threat shows or like void or something and wanting to go, but not having a ride. Cause see that, that kind of circles back to like when I was talking about my cousin was in that high, band in high school and uh, the guy who was in the band, Tom, who unfortunately Tom Morgan, he was an awesome dude. He passed away some years ago, but um, he really, you know, he got me into a lot of stuff. And like, I remember, okay, well, so basically they all were, you know, I was probably like 11 and they were all like 17 or 18 and they were going to see the residents in DC. And it was like, I mean, I've told people about this, like after the fact in like, you know, the, the 21st century. And they're just like, fuck, I can't believe you saw that when you were 11. That's like mind blowing. But it was one of the first mole shows, which I don't know if you're familiar with the residents. They were like, a, just a very, very, very like avant-garde band from san francisco and i mean i mean they i think they're still like around in some way or the other but but back then it was just like really weird obscure shit and so they had this album mark of the mole but then they had like a live presentation of it it was almost like theater or like a play but or like a musical um so anyway i think they had only done it live a few times so like my cousin's friends knew like this was a big deal and it was happening in dc so they, they, I like, I, I guess I like, was like, you know, y'all have to take me. I want to check this shit out. And, um, so I just remember standing in line to go in and there was that, someone out there handing out flyers for like, like a fucking like DC hardcore show, like void. I, I don't remember who the other bands were, but it, I know void was on the flyer just cause they were like one of my favorite bands from that era. Um, so that, and that's kind of when I started to really realize about those bands, but, um, and, and, you know, like, it was kind of through my cousin's friend and just going to this and then like, you know, being, you know, I only lived an hour from DC. Um, and so it was almost like I lived in this extended suburb of DC uh, because a lot of people around where I grew up, you know, were like these, like, you know, government spooks or people that worked for contractors or for the government in DC. And they, they just commuted back and forth out to the suburbs in Maryland. Um, so yeah, I knew, I knew all about that stuff. And, um, you know, I, I picked up, you know, I picked up records like hardcore records that were on discord, you know, when I was like still like 14 or 15 or something, I guess when I started buying records a lot then. So yeah, I knew about that. Um, but it didn't really, well, I get, yeah, I guess like actually when we started playing, I started doing stuff. It was like, those guys are doing it's exactly it's DIY. They were doing it themselves so we can do it ourselves. And that was totally like the way I looked at it. It was like, I don't think anyone was interested in necessarily sounding exactly like 
this or that. Cause I mean, we didn't know what the fuck we were doing. We couldn't really control what it sounded like. You know, it was just like, I mean, our drummer was mostly into reggae, you know what I mean? So it was just like, um, it was more just like the best way to do shit is like do it yourself. And I mean, I don't know. I've always been kind of obsessed with that idea, even beyond anything having to do with like music, but just other things, you know, I remember when I was a little kid and like, started learning about what solar power, like solar panels, like photovoltaic panels were like when I was a kid, like in the late seventies. And I was just like, I was like, what the fuck you can get free electricity or like free water heating from the sun instead of like, you know, having to give money every month to these, these fucking asshole, like, you know, corporations that rip you off and pollute. So I was just like, I mean, I was just drawn to that as a kid. I don't even know why it was just like, um, now I think about it. I think part of the reason why was because I, I, you know, I wasn't like really direct, like I was well taken care of as a kid. And like, I wasn't like, I didn't have, I'm not saying like, Oh, I had a bad childhood or I was abused or anything, nothing like that at all. But I wasn't necessarily like raised in a way that anyone really like, really like steered me or guided me in this in a certain direction or really like, like pushed me into having certain interests or like, you know, like you, Oh, you can, you know, some, I guess some kids would get piano lessons or tennis or tennis lessons or whatever. It was, it was never really like that for me so much. So I just kind of like, plus I was just fucking a, a, like a, on my own anyway, sort of like a loner. So I just like formed my own, view of the world, I guess, and how it works. And just early on, I was just like the whole idea of like, you know, being free of systems or, or whatever, especially ones that constrain you or like are in some way detrimental to people's lives, like just appealed to me. So then when, obviously when you're like, Oh, we have a band, like let's record and put out a record. And I was like, yeah, like obviously people have already been doing that, especially on like, you know, like, obviously there had been like, like labels like SST or whatever. But when you see like discord really was like being done out of like this house and to, you know, quite a bit of success. Um, I was just like, well, fuck, that's, that's cool. Like, let's do that. And I think also part of it is sort of like when you are just like, maybe not guided in a certain way and you're just kind of like living in, like, especially in, you know, that decade and you're like, you know, a middle-class suburban kid and I don't know, like, you're not very empowered, like, in a lot of ways to do a lot. So you have to figure out, like, you know, a lot of kids got into sports or like skateboard or, or like, or whatever, you know, but so for me, it was just like, it was just like, uh, like a hobby or a craft, but beyond that. And so it's like something that you could sort of create on your own. So then you're empowered, which I guess is the same for people who are visual artists or any kind of artists or whatever, or people who, who write poetry. But so it was just like that. It was just like the, yeah, the DIY thing. That's the fucking way to do it. Um, so yeah, I, I no, I think you're, I think the approach and why I was asking those questions is I think it's the, it's we're, we're looking at things that we're beginning or things that we're starting. And people have mentioned, you know, again, your band is sort of, uh, um, starting some things and people, and I think that just happens anyway, but it's, it's interesting to find 
the touch points of how they connect and where, you know, you don't realize it or you realize it later or something happened and it, and it affected it. I think for your band, for this first band, you know, for Moss Icon there, there it's, you know, it's still talked about. So the, it was, that's why kind of the finding the, those sort of touch points. And when you guys were up and running and playing shows and you got, you were super into it. Um, were you finding other bands and other people that were thinking the same way, or did you hear sounds that were affecting it? Um, and, uh, was there anything, were you finding people as you started to, because when you put something out in the world, instead of saying you're going to put out a seven inch, you actually do it. There's more, like, I feel like more people say the other. They're like, oh, we're going to do it one day or yeah, we'll do it next week. But you did right. it. I mean, we didn't, we never really toured uh, or, you know, or played outside of the, you know, East Coast, like area of DC and Baltimore, like that much. Um so it wasn't like we were exposed to tons of people. Um, and I mean, there were, okay. So there were like, obviously once we started playing, we ended up kind of playing a lot of shows in DC with like, you know, discord type bands. So we met a lot of those folks and obviously like just because of the whole, like, you know, DIY thing and in like independent label and independent approach. And also like, there was a lot of like, a lot of the shows we played were benefit shows put on by this group, Positive Force DC, which still exists today, like 30 some years later, um, in some form or the other. But so there was like also like this activist slash political aspect to it because we, you know, we played mostly benefit shows, like at church halls, that kind of thing. Um, so like that was, you know, that also kind of opened this whole other like world up to me that. I'd already like very, been very interested in, but I hadn't really been like seeing actual like nuts and bolts, bolts of people doing stuff. Um, so that, that had a lot of, that had a big impression on me as well. But um, I mean, then there were like, you know, after we were going for a year or two, we were meeting other kids just from like around suburban parts of Maryland. Um, and they had different bands. And um, I think that like that kind of just became more where like we just were sort of friends or acquaintances with those people. I like, I never, and we would play shows, but it was always like very diverse bill. Like the, all the bands sounded very different. So it was never like, um, I think you said something about the sound in that question you just hit me with. Um, so no, I don't, I don't think it was ever like we, we like kind of connected with other peers and then it was sort of like it influenced the way the band sounded. It was never like that. It was just more like, it was cool that there were like, we were meeting, it, it was always like people who maybe were like a year or two or three younger and they were doing stuff. So it was just cool to meet people who were also trying to do it. And I guess maybe there were some people who saw what we were doing and what, you know, I mean, you know, the, the label was started by Kenny Hill, the drummer of the hated. And before that he was the drummer of the spastic rats and the, which were both like phenomenal bands and bands that like really, um, meant a lot to me. So I think also like we would, there were some people we met and they kind of got turned on to the, to, to that as well. And, you know, cause I mean, there was like a couple bands where I helped them put out, you know, like I've helped them put out a record, like the whole label thing. I, it was never a business. No one ever made any money. Cause I, I, so I almost feel like, you know, it's not really, it's a label. I just was like, Oh, well, 
this place, here's the address, this place can press the record and here's a place that'll print the cover or I can like lay out the cover for you. So it was always just like, like that, very like uh, cottage industry or whatever. Um, but yeah, you know, we met some people and connected with people. I don't think it was ever on a huge scale because the thing about DC was it was still like, we would go play shows there, but it was almost like driving to Philly or New York to play a show. Cause like to us, it was like driving far, which is kind of weird. Um, so we, we like met a lot of those folks who are like all like really awesome people, but I don't think any of us, like, I, I know, I know for me personally, I never went and like hung out in DC with people very much like that. I can remember. So, um, it was more just like another community that we'd go and like kind of interact with and play shows with. And it was obviously like this, this huge influential thing that, you know, just like evolved out into the whole world that, you know, people to this day are like, it's like the echoes of it are, you know, still to this day. If there's an apex of things, you know, the, the, there's moments or there's, there's memories of this show or, um, again, not saying you see a band and then all of a sudden you're playing a guitar differently, but there's things that happen sort of without you realizing it. And I think you guys were doing something influential that you didn't know. And of course, how you're not going to know, but it felt right. And it felt right to you guys yeah. to make these sounds and sound like take some hardcore and take some punk and have, you know, have some of it be melodic and have some of it be loud, soft, quiet, like, and, um, be able to, you know, to be able to formulate that, what were some of those feelings or some of those things when you guys were playing or practicing that, you know, what, you know, you know, when you get the chill around your back or your, your arms when you're playing something. Yeah. No, I know. I think I know what you mean. And I mean, we had no, we had no idea what we were doing and, you know, we like, I would have never thought that there would be like the interest that there was, you know, cause it was, I think it was like, I don't even remember how it happened. Like if when we first played, like with say, like when we first played a show with like Fugazi and I didn't even, it was more just like a friend or, you know, there was a friend with this or someone pointed out like, Oh, you know, like they were like, you know, they're like checking you out. they were actually seemed like interested in what you were doing. And like, so it was cool that people who obviously were sort of like, you know, more established and just very like, uh, um, you know, like foundational had interest in it. But I think also like people like them were picking up on the uniqueness of it. And it was the, just the, you know, whatever, to the extent that it was, you know, it's still like rock instrumentation, it's rock music basically, but there was still like a weird, interesting, like twist to the recipe I think. And that was the thing that encouraged me the most just, and, and not, and not, not even just like the folks from DC, but like, I remember playing a show in like kind of outside of Annapolis. So it was just kind of like semi rural, semi suburban Maryland, you know, like an out, that's like an hour from DC. And, um, after we played this woman, well, you know, I mean, I call her like I was probably like 19 or 20, but, and she seemed like she is maybe in her 30 or in her thirties. But this woman came up to me who was like, definitely, I got the more vibe more that she was like into like, you know, like the dead and like, you know, and like a lot of, I think there was like a whole resurgence of people being into the dead and like the whole culture of that in like the mid late eighties. But she came up to me and was just like, 
And, you know, I mean, I'm sure she was fucking into Black Sabbath too or whatever, you know, but she, she came up to me and was just like, like fucking floored. Like she was like, I wasn't expecting, like I came to this weird show at this church hall. I wasn't expecting to see like what I just saw and heard. And that was always like that, like, you know, that stands out to me as like one of the most like, you know, like that's accomplishment to me. I don't even know how to fucking explain it. Yeah. But that was like it it wasn't selling out the arena. It were selling out the venue. It was one person being like, I fucking get this. Right. And that's what I mean. It was definitely like working on a different plane than just like I don't know, doing something else. Did you remember you know, remembering when someone maybe said the word emo or you had the association with it and what did you guys think? Um, and what um, especially then there was very much like a grassroots, really grassroots aspect to that stuff. Like I said, you know, we, we played a lot of benefits. We played, you know, we played a lot of weird places like, like church halls or fire halls, you know? And so I feel like, as time went on, it became to where more like bands who maybe evolved out of, you know, bands like that, or like any underground bands, punk, hardcore, metal, whatever, like it, it became maybe less grassroots or it became, there became maybe more of a, um, like a pre carved like circuit and like system and the way everything works. Cause I mean, you know, I think about like, Nowadays, like a lot of like my like acquaintances or people I know who are in bands, I'll go see them. Like they're you know they're playing at a club and they have a booking agent and they have this and that and the other thing and like, and that's just the way a lot of it's evolved. Um, because there's just like I think there's just more of people doing it. There's more of everything now than there was like 20 or 30 or 40 years ago. And so the, there was definitely like a, a very grassroots like personal aspect to it back then um but as far as the e-word um (laughs) (laughs) do you not want to say it oh my god i love this (laughs) hey i mean it's i'm telling you ask me that question about the word email and then it just went haywire (laughs) (laughs) someone's telling us something tony uh maybe it's my aversion to it but um everybody has an aversion don't worry (laughs) no i i don't believe me i don't lose i don't lose sleep over it um so, but, but anyway, I think for me, the first, um, anyone I knew of heard of it was the, wasn't there like an article on Thrasher about like embrace and rights of spring and stuff. And I think that's where, um, I first heard of it. And, um, I mean, I feel like, I don't even know if it was even then or it was like shortly after that, but you know, like, I think that was it Ian or or gee, I don't know. One of them said, you know, like that's the stupidest thing. And I'm just paraphrasing, but they said something like that's the stupidest description I've ever heard. Cause like any real music is emotional anyway. But I was always like, yeah, that's absolutely right. That makes sense. That makes sense to me. So that was always kind of like my stance or, or whatever, but I didn't really hear much about that word or just, you know, the subgenre, that description for a while after that, honestly, until like the nineties, like, I don't think as like the whole time Moss Icon existed from like 87 to 91. I, I honestly can't remember anyone like saying, like describing us as that. So I feel like it was all after the fact. 
and even in UOA, Universal Order of Armageddon, after that, which was like 92 to 94, I don't honestly remember. You know, maybe someone used the term, but I feel like it was all like after the early 90s. And I didn't really, you know, hear about it much until like the late 90s, early 2000s, like the internet, you know. Yeah, so you so again, you, it was it wasn't really mentioned for the band. It wasn't mentioned during UOA, and uh, having um, you know the, it being sort of the internet. You sort of seeing. Did you see your band name show up on lists or show up in message boards and things? Maybe in like two thousand, two thousand one, like someone I was dating at the time pointed out to me a guy had made. The guy made a website, like, it looked like it was totally, like, he did everything. It wasn't, like, a template-type website, or I don't know what you call it. It wasn't, like, one of those blog things. But he had just made, like, a total, like, from-scratch website about, like, email, you know. And um, he mentioned, like, the bands that were, you know, DC bands from, like, the mid-'80s. But then, like, he sort of had his own opinion that, like, Mossicon was the first real emo band. And like, that was like the gist of one of his, like the pages, like they were almost like little articles or, you know, or something. Yeah. This website uh, was Forfa and it was what the heck is emo anyway. Right, right, right. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Someone I was dating, I guess, stumbled upon it and for, and like pointed it out to me. And I feel like that was 2001. Yeah. So. That's so funny. I think that's probably where I saw your band name for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah yeah probably and i thought it was, you know i thought that was cool because it, it seemed like the person who did it really put thought into it i mean it was almost like some kind of like you know musicology thing or something like it, it seemed i mean i i to the best of my like my, my memory of like what was on that website it seemed like you know like they were at least trying to like explain things and like be articulate and like you know like talk about like their perspective. So it was sort of a historical thing. Um, it's just funny because, you know, we didn't have like a proper LP come out until after the band had broke up. So it was like, you know, 92 or I think it was 92. And so like what I found over the course of the nineties, even into the early two thousands. And I mean, even actually up to, there was some like, um, like lists, I think vulture.com someone pointed out to me recently where there's like the best 100 email songs or something. And there's like a Moss icon song on it. But like the, like the person got a lot of like the person who wrote the blurb got a lot of just like basic facts wrong. Like the year, <laughs> like the year the band's record came out and the band existed. <laughs> and like, I feel like they said it was like 94 or 95 or so. they, they also got the lyrics wrong. And I think the lyrics are even like in the, even like the reissue record, like the temporary <laughs> residence did like the lyrics. I'm sure for that song are in there, but they got the lyrics wrong. So dude, I, well, so that it goes back to that the other point of like there's not anything like you found that website your you know your the girlfriend found that website there wasn't much so it's like there that's the impetus and the point of this documentation of these things to put the right things down right. to put the because yeah, no, it's it's like, no one wrote it down but things get lost if no one continues it well yeah and I mean to be honest like for me personally, like what I was involved with, it was like two bands that really were not that prolific. 
and not very functional at all. So they were, they, they, you know, so we didn't do that much. We didn't tour and stuff. Um, but then on top of that, like even kind of back then and then just throughout my life, I like, I never really like cared that much. Like I literally didn't save. I like, there weren't that many photos. People like, like I saw of for the first time in the past, you know, the past couple of years of someone had videotaped a Malsaikon show, like from like 1988. And like, there was like not nothing. Like I didn't know of anyone who had anything like that. I, you know, it was just like sort of out of my own sort of like apathy or just like, uh, like just thinking, ah, the past is the past type of thing. Like I never really archived stuff and, but then it's funny because then you look at like, you know, like, like someone like, uh, you know, Ian and with Discord where it's just like, you know, it's, and all, like you mentioned the thing with University of Maryland, there's obviously like this broader community and it's like been pretty well um, documented and there's people, you know, a couple decades out now who are trying to like, you know, do that stuff. But I, I was just always like, fuck it, man. It's the past. Like, burn it down. <laughs> yeah, I was always just like, fucking, just light that dumpster on fire because my life is always just crazy. So, <laughs> do you think about it now? Like, have you thought about that? And have you had moments where you've looked back and said, man, that was really fun when we were doing that Born Against stuff for that short amount of time or, you know, when we were doing this record or. Oh yeah. I mean, it was like my passion or whatever. It was, um, you know, it's, it's what I wanted to be doing, which, you know, very much like, you know, I shot myself in the foot in a lot of ways as far as just like, uh, you know, like a couple decades, decades later, it's like, I'm sort of like snap out of it for a second. I'm like, Oh, all right. So I, you know, I'm, I'm broke and <laughs> you know, I'm just like nothing I ever did really, like, you know, cause like everything I ever did, I felt like it was only 10% of what I envisioned in my head that I could see happening and wanted to happen or in just the ideas I had for like, you know, like songs, albums, tours, whatever, like, you know, it, it was just like cir- life circumstances that caused things to turn out the way they did in reality. And, um, so as much as I look back as at it being like not nearly as prolific as I would have liked, I still don't really have any like negative outlook on it, but it was just, you know, I mean, it's just like ridiculous shit. Like, you know, like there's probably stuff I had that I lost just moving a lot and just having like an unstable life, you know, stuff like that. Um, so it was just very like sort of logistical, like nuts and bolts things that, you know, it's got me to the point where, you know, like people sometimes like, like I literally don't have, uh, more than maybe one of every record. Um, and, and, you know, so it's just like, you know, I didn't, I never was like, Oh, I need to like keep five of these and like document that and all this. It was just all like a blur to me. It was just a blur to me. And it was just like, I just, I just saw it as like raw creative energy and just like, you know, just fucking blazing a weird path. And, you know, if it's just like cinders behind you, like, so be it. It's just, I don't know. I just, that's how life has been for me. So, 
Um, yeah. I think when I was younger, I actually got more done as far as from a creative standpoint. Um, and you know, as you get older, it's hard, harder to do just, you know, people, you know, like people have, you know, families, jobs, mortgages, careers, kids. Um, so it's hard to find people to play with or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I mean, even when like Moss Icon, like got back together and played a few shows, um, like in 2011, 2012, 2014, 2012 to 2014, I guess. Um, you know, like people, there were some people who asked about like, you know, like, are you going to tour? Are you going to do more? You could go to Europe, you know, like, you know, like none of those bands I was in ever played in Europe, but it's weird because like there, there was an interest in them after the fact. And I mean, even going back to when I was like just putting out records, myself and we were a band in like the late eighties, early nineties. That was, that was actually one of the coolest things to me was to start to have pen pals in Europe. Cause like, I didn't know anyone in Europe just growing up as a kid. And, um, so, you know, it was like, that was cool. I, I, I meant to mention that like a while back in some other question, but anyway, um, I forgot that too, because I had pen pals, like people that I would email or sorry, that I would write a letter and you would sit there and wait until they wrote back. Yeah. And there's a, I mean, like I sold a lot of records there and back then you could ship records there really cheap. So it was pretty cool. Um, but you know, but, but as time's gone on, it's like, um, I don't know, it's just been trickier to do stuff or to find people who can do stuff. So, um, I, I don't know. I always look forward, you know, like I'm always like have ideas of like what I would like to accomplish. Um, and, but you know, like I, it definitely like is uh, very uplifting and like, I'm very appreciative that anybody has ever shown an interest or said like a positive thing about something I did way in the past. I mean, it's, it, you know, it's like, uh, you know, it's a great thing, you know, it, you know, I can't complain, you know, I think the, 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 it's funny actually the, um, the sort of irony of the, the term emo, because, you know, obviously it's derived from emotional. And I think that, you know, like we were definitely pretty crazy people in that sense, like emotionally, um, at least, you know, like some of us and when I was younger, like as a teen or in my early twenties. So it's, it's kind of ironic that that's like, kind of like the term that's got slapped on it after the fact. And, um, cause yeah, there's definitely a lot of like, I don't know, teen angst is more of the uh, old standby term maybe, <laughs> but there was a lot of that involved. Um, so yeah, I think like I have like, uh, my shit together more now, but it's sort of like a weird contrast because when I was a crazy kid, I was like getting all this shit done and we were like, a lot was happening and, you know, part of it is because it was just easier logistically to do stuff back then when you're younger and it was like a different time. Um, but now that I'm like, like actually organized and level headed and I could like actually like really plot out and plan out things better and create things and like see projects through now that I have all that, it's like, there's just not as much like, uh, fuel for the fire maybe, you know? Why do you think that? 
Um, I think it's mostly just like I said, like more just like like logistical stuff. Like, I mean, for me personally, like I've always kind of been in this one area of the country just because, like the the times when I had money to move, I had a reason to stay, and then the times when I really wanted to get out, I didn't have the money. So it's just always kind of random like that and not well planned. And then like, I found myself, um, you know, cause like the one band that I did in like 98 to 2001, very full time, the convocation of like when our first bass player left in 2001, it was just like so difficult to find the right person who had the time to do it. And so after a few years, it started to become evident to like the, uh, Dr- George, the drummer and I, that like, you know, we kind of lost our momentum in a way. Cause like we had really been going kind of full speed ahead for three or four years. But then, you know, by like the mid later two thousands, it was just like, you know, we'd occasionally find a friend to, pl- to kind of play with us part time, but it was just, you know, you, you lose that one element, that one part of the puzzle. And, um, you know, you can't necessarily find that piece again, that person who like kind of fits in in the same way as far as their availability, you know, like it's really, you know, that was always really what it was about, like, like time and resources. So, um, I think that was always just, uh, the thing, but you know, like, I mean, when we did, when we were doing stuff like in the late eighties, early nineties, most icon, it was like, you know, it was just easy. Like, everyone was kind of living at home still. It was very much that kind of thing. Um, it was just easy to do stuff in that sense. I mean, we, we still like scraped by, we didn't really have much money to put into it. We just like, the recording was pretty cheap and you know, I, I didn't, I didn't know like what the hell I was doing as far as getting stuff mastered and that sort of thing. And like, you know, I, I'd scrape money together to put out a seven inch or something. So it was never anything beyond like, like that. But it, yeah, it just kind of happened the way it happens. <laughs> yeah. Do you, um, I did want to mention a few songs because I thought it was worth, um, if you had any comments or, or thoughts about them. Um, I thought one kicked the can. I thought that one felt like it was so upbeat. I did hear a little joy division, maybe not, but what, can you say anything about that song? Like I kind of alluded to earlier, we, we would just kind of get together and, and jam for lack of a better word. And like, I would, I would have like parts or riffs that I had come up with and we just would put a song together in a completely like weird abstract way, kind of just intuitively. So I don't like, I mean, I guess it is upbeat. I, I sometimes like John and I would definitely like sort of, sort of like suggest certain beats or tempos to mark like drum parts. Um, but he was just a super raw, uh, play like player drum wise. So, and he would just, you know, just come up with stuff and it was, um, just like pretty much free energy style. But that song, I, I don't know. I, I don't remember specifically why it had the tempo it did because the, I mean, the guitar part isn't really like, like kind of straight strumming or anything. There's almost like this kind of like picking thing going on that it's almost like the guitar is slower than the tempo, but 
Um, I think it's just like he just started playing it, man. It just came out of the air. It's, I mean, so much of that shit, I mean, so much of what I've been involved in my whole life musically just comes out of somewhere I don't know where. And I mean, I like that. That's cool. You know, it's just like, that's, I feel like the way it should be. So, um, and you know, then he, uh, I don't remember why, but there is that kind of cool part where it's like, he's doing that weird beat. And the guitar, the guitar part's kind of like muted and it's kind of like quieter. And then it like kind of peaks again. So I, I don't know, man, it just came out of us being in the room and just doing it. <laughs> no, it, it, I get it. I just think there's, there's pieces of it that I can hear and maybe it's through the air just as you picked it out of the air. I, I could hear those things in other bands later or those, those, the, 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 pieces of it as I've listened to hours and hours of these bands and, and, and thought about it. It just, I can, I I can feel it. And it's kind of like when you go into someone's room and you see, you know, the black flag poster or you see the thing, you're like, okay, they get it. Like, I feel like kids, if, if they're, if it's almost like tuning to the right radio station, you know, if you turn far left enough, you're going to pick this up and it's, 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 it's not going to be on the pop station in the middle. It's going to be the left. And, um, I think, you know, another song like, Guatemala it's like a little more spoken versus yelling and singing and I I that was one that's one that I always kind of gravitate back to when I'm listening yeah I actually I have a few things I could say about it like a few things but I mean one of the things is that um all right let me try to get this all straight like yeah because this might even be some like like historical stuff that like no one really knows just cause I don't know. I probably told like my friend or girlfriend just like babbling at some point in my life, but it's not like shit. Anyone's really asked me, but like pretty much from the get go, when we started for like, you know, 87 to 91, there, there, I guess it would it'd be like a cycle, like every like one or two cycles a year where we would like, have some songs and then like kind of purge them and write new songs. And John was John. And it's funny because like, I'm sure at the time I was like annoyed and frustrated by it, but like looking back on it, I just think it's funny and like endearing, but he would get really, cause you know, he wasn't really a musician. He would get really bored. And, um, you know, plus he was like fucking 16 or 17 year old years old. So he would like, he would get bored with songs. He would get bored with shit. And it's not, and like, we weren't even like, you know, we weren't like a bar band playing the same shit five nights a week and, you know, in a club or a bar, but he would like, so there was always this push to like come up with new shit and experiment. And, and also I think that was also like, I mean, some of our live shows were fucking like disasters and like, I did not play well a lot. And it was like, you know, we would play songs we just wrote and we barely knew and it would be like a fucking train wreck. But, but there was always like that, like pushed for it to be kind of like the shit, like I said, the shit just keep coming out of the air. It's like an energy or something like it has to keep coming out of the air. We weren't like, like sitting down with like a, a like a blueprint and we're like, we're going to like have song like this and a song like that. And we're going to have like a stage show and like, dancers and you know shit like that like it was not that at all it was like the total opposite of that it was just like you know this like just this like strange like energy so we would we would like purge songs and come up with songs and i think that's why like you know especially because i mean you know people have pointed out like as it got 
to be like the songs that were from like the nine, like 90, 91. And when we added Alex as the second guitarist, like, you know, I guess like people said it got more like, I don't know, like hippie ish or like, you know, it wasn't as like punk or hardcore or whatever, but it was like, it was just like what happened, you know, like we had no, we weren't trying to like get mellower or we weren't trying to do this or that. It was just like, I'd come up with a guitar part and it would, you know, like, or a couple or like John would even occasionally come up with a guitar part and like, you know, like Monica just did her own fucking thing. Like she almost never played anything I was playing. And that's the reason the stuff's so unique is because like, she was like anti playing what the guitar was playing. She's like, I'm, I'm going to play bass the way I want and I'm going to play what I fucking want. And like for most of the time we were just like, cool, like do your thing, you know? And, um, but by the time I got to like songs like Guatemala and all, I mean, it was just like, I was just like coming up with these like little parts and riffs. And it's just like, you know, that song is just the same fucking part over and over. It was like, I mean, even I do remember when we were coming up with it and kind of forming it, it was like, the, like the whole idea of like a mantra, which I barely even knew what the hell that was back then. It was like, Oh yeah, it's like a Buddhist chant or something. But the whole idea of it being like this thing that just like keeps cycling and like, you're just, it's just, it's just a fucking energy thing. It's like, I, I don't know how else to, to, to describe it, but as far as like, like the, the song, like kick the can, like, uh, I mean, it's funny because it wasn't even like, I mean, obviously as far as the guitar parts and playing and the writing goes, I, you know, obviously from being a little kid, I was influenced just by like hard rock and like, you know, just like whatever, like Zeppelin or black Sabbath or whatever. And, um, but then, you know, by the late seventies, early eighties, I was into, you know, like I really was, in, I got into like, you know, like Susie and the Banshees or like, you know, death call the call. And like, I mean, like, I, uh, you know, those two bands were just like two of my favorite bands from that era. And like, definitely like had a little bit of, uh, influence on like the sound. I, I mean, I guess and to the extent that it could, because like, I, I honestly, especially then, like, I'm, I mean, I'm hard pressed to sit down and like learn a song off a record now. Like it's like, frustrates me and takes long whereas i know like you know people who can just listen to it and immediately play like any fucking song but back then it was just like there was no fucking way i could do that like i was barely like getting through playing guitar to begin with like i was just like figuring it out on my own in my own time but there was definitely like i feel like especially with that song it had like it was, you know, and it was something I realized almost after the fact. So I guess it was just subconscious or unconscious, but I feel like I had a little bit of a vibe of like, you know, like this kind of like early eighties bands that were like, I don't know. Like people called them like, I don't know what people called them back then, like punk or new wave to me. Like, I mean, like bands like Susie and the Banshees were so fucking like ahead of their time and cutting edge and like, just like, mind-blowingly uh i don't know like innovative but at the same time there's like this whole psychedelic aspect to it as well just because it was just like very i don't know like music that really like had this effect on your mind and your so um and i mean i was into that back then like i caught on to that back then because i loved like late 60s like psychedelic music and you know just whatever jefferson airplane or 
or blue cheer or whatever. So it was like, I saw, I guess like what it is, I, I, even then when I was young, I, I saw like things that were kind of going in cycles, you know, like, you know, like within music or even within like culture or just like, like art or whatever, like, you know, things worked in cycles, whether it was like, you know, like five year or a decade or like, or whatever. Like, so I, I guess things just kind of come around full circle, but I was definitely like, I don't know, like, I remember, like, we were, rec- we, w- we would record, and, like, it was just, like, a very quick process, and very, very kind of rudimentary, and, like, uh, primitive, um, but I remember, like, wanting even, like, a song like that, of, like, ha- hearing ideas in my head for, like, fucking, like, other sounds, or just, like, effects, or whatever, like, shit we never even did, because we didn't have the time or money, but, like, so, um, but I think like with that song, it was, yeah, I don't know. I, that's always been one of my favorites. So I guess I'm just rambling about it. <laughs> nice. I picked the right one then. No. Yeah, I know. It's just because it really, like, like I said, there was no fucking plan. It just came out the way it did. Like, like in that one part where he starts playing that weird, like sort of reverse beat and like the, I don't like, I didn't use any effects on the guitar, but the fact that I double tracked it and it was just sort of like, like, like picking like individual notes and they weren't exactly like on like you know i wasn't playing it perfect like it what each time it was a little different so it kind of almost had an effect of its own so that that always like kind of uh i don't know what i felt like was like a good accomplishment <laughs> just like out of like being totally blind and just like not knowing what you're doing but it comes out pretty cool so uh, but yeah what else? i'm sorry i'm what no you're not you are not at all <laughs> No, I'm just, I'm just, I just mean like I was totally going off on a long tangent on that one song and it seemed like you had other ones to ask about. No, but. no. The only other one I thought is funny because there's 300,000 plus plays for some reason. It must be on like 400 playlists, but I'm back sleeping or fucking or something, which uh, I love the, the title. Well, that's the song they got the lyrics wrong in that one uh, thing. <laughs> Um, and I get, they mentioned, they mentioned that song again. Yeah, that was the song they picked for that, um, that list. Oh, right. What, which I thought was totally weird. Cause like, it's like not, I, okay. I'll, I will just like straight up say that John and I were literally on the phone and you know, this is back when you're on a fucking landline <laughs> and I was playing my guitar and we were like trying to put the song idea together in, you know, on the phone, like he was like at home or something. And I was at home and, and he was like, yeah, man, just like, it's like the idea I have, it's like some fucking black Sabbath shit, you know? So it was just like, I was like, Oh, you mean like, you know? So it was just like really like primitive caveman shit. It was just like, like black Sabbath. I don't know what song he was. He was probably thinking of like sweet leaf or something. You know what I mean? Um, and so that's like, that song's literally just like, me not knowing how to really like try to make something sound like black Sabbath, but him saying like, make it sound like black Sabbath. I was like, all right, well, here's this riff. And that's the fucking song. But then when we recorded it, I mean, there was like the weird overdubs and all just because, um, we wanted to like, well, I mean, it is like a repetitive, it's just the same fucking part over and over. So, I mean, we were just like, let's like, you know, like quote unquote, quote produce it a little so um but actually like 
one of the guys from the hated and his, no, yeah, it was, um, the two guys, Danny and Eric that were in the hated were at the studio, just hanging out with us. And, um, so they played like, uh, like percussion instruments. I mean, none of them might've played a guitar or just like made feedback or something. I can't remember, but there was definitely like, um, a feedback track and percussion. And that's how that happened. But it was just like, you know, Oh, let's rip off black Sabbath and then have a weird recording session with percussion. That's <laughs> like how the fucking song happened. And then 30 years later, you're on an emo podcast talking about it you know, for me personally, just my own experience was, it was very much just like, almost like I didn't know what else to do. I just had to do it. There was just like some force, you know, pushing me to do it. Like it was kind of an obsession, obsession for me. I mean, you know, it was like definitely an obsession and just something that I had to do. And that we, you know, we got together and this, that group of people got together and did it to the extent, you know, the furthest extent that they could, you know, given like whatever life circumstances, but, you know, when we were doing it and, and I think early on, like, you know, we, I mean, we played a few shows early on. It was pretty uh, shaky. Like we definitely didn't, we probably should have waited and rehearsed longer to play shows. But then again, you know, you just want to go out and do it. Um, but then once it started to kind of gel, I mean, there was definitely like this unspoken thing where it was like, you know, this is, this is kind of unique. Like, this is pretty cool. It was definitely like, I mean, a lot of it centered around having like a, a front man, like vocalist, um, orator, like writer, poet, person who definitely just, I mean, there was a, there was like a fucking energy or vibe to, to, you know, what he did. And like, we were just like the fucking like background music tapestry, you know, like tapestry, um, palette, whatever. Um, what's the word canvas for that? You know, I mean, you know, I, and I think it was a pretty big canvas. I mean, I definitely think that it all intertwined and worked together symbiotically but it was you know there was definitely like a unique energy to it i don't, I don't know That's yeah what else to say no i get it no i love that um what are what are you um what are you excited about today one thing i'm excited about is just staying well and staying safe um but other than that in more of a creative sense um i don't know i'm i'm just excited about trying to continue with doing what I can creatively and in other ways in my life that, that sort of carries on, you know, the same basic DIY energy and just like the, you know, sort of carve your own path. As far as music goes, there was a period of time where I was maybe like not going to try to do music that much, like half a decade ago or whatever. And, um, I don't know. I've always kind of had a love hate thing with it. And, um, and then I kind of realized it was just like I had to like kind of like step back from being so like obsessive about it and or always just trying to like focus on it and uh, just sort of let things fall into place more sort of like in a more laid back way. And so, you know, that's made it kind of easier to do music. And so like I look forward to like 
doing what I can in that sense, which, you know, could be like very little over the course of a year or it could be a lot. I mean, it's actually funny. Like, I mean, I, I was saying how earlier, you know, I had like, you know, like, uh, pen pals in Europe and, uh, you know, sold records there pre-internet, you know, obviously pre-internet. And it was pretty cool to have like that kind of connection, but I never actually went and played any of my music you know, music that I had created or involved with and other, with other people that we had done from scratch, um, there. And like this year, um, we, you know, Rogue Conjure was going to go do some shows in the UK and EU, but it's, it was literally like a matter of weeks before things started getting really bad that we were asked to, to play a festival. And then we started talking to someone about like helping us get some shows in, in Europe and, um, so I guess that was something I was looking forward to that is probably not happening anytime soon now. <laughs> what about outside of music? What what stuff do you what are you looking forward to? What what are some of the things that, I mean yes, I know we're in a I know we're in the middle of a pandemic, but trying to think positively. <laughs> I've always kind of been a weirdo in the sense that like I mean, of all my friends and acquaintances, I'm probably the one who's like you know, the least like career oriented or like stable in that sense. Um, you know, um, the one is the free spirit the most. So, you know, I'm, you know, it's funny. I was talking earlier about the whole DIY thing and how it spills out of like music or into like other aspects of life. And just like, I was intrigued when I was young that people could have like, you know, like solar or off the grid type shit. And I mean, over the years, I'm just very like, uh, you know, not involved so much in like stuff like organic farming and all, but just very much like a supporter of that. Like, I just think it's a great idea. So I think I'm, I'm at the point in my life where I'm like trying to figure out how I can move more towards like kind of immersing myself in that kind of thing more, which would maybe even be living like a little more secluded or, you know, trying to be more self-sufficient and, um, and that kind of thing. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of like a very vague abstract idea of what the near future holds for me, but I still have no idea like quite yet how it's going to like transpire, especially with everything being so like ass backwards now. I mean, this is like my own personal thing that I don't even really talk to people that much about. And like, I you know, like definitely try, don't want to get dogmatic with people, but like it's a lot of shit for me is just like my perspective on life. is just really, really, really political, like political, I guess, or like just like radical or whatever. Like I just, I just see things that are just being done badly and managed badly. And it's just like, why the fuck is it that way? Like there's other ways of doing things. And I mean, I think that was the general like basic attitude with when we were really young and just, it was like, Oh, well, just make a band, make songs, like record it, put out a record, make shirts, like set up a show. Like, you know, we grew up around Annapolis and when, when like Multicon started, like there were a couple bands there. Like I mentioned the hated and like spastic rats were two of them. And, but there was barely anywhere for like those bands to play. And then when we started playing, like, you know, like I actually took the initiative to set up some shows just like it. Like I found a church that would let us have shows, you know? So it was like the whole like DIY thing to the extreme within that context or like your little, like, you know, like microcosm. And I mean, obviously now it's like so evident more than ever that like looking at 
like alternate ways of doing things and managing like managing our reality, managing our fucking lives is like, is so important. Almost like the only choice in some ways now or like leading that kind of in that direction. I think from your, you know, the, the standpoint of your creativity and you're thinking about these things and, and thinking about them in a different way, that's when new things happen. That's when new ideas come. That's when things are done instead of just doing the same thing every day and, and coming home. And, and that like, I, I, I can't do that. I, I can't sit still and watch like hours and hours of Netflix. I can't, I just want, I want to fucking go do something. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that kind of feeling and energy manifests like, you know, for different people in their own unique way. You know, it's fu- it's funny because it, the past conversation we've been having for like this hour or whatever, it's like it has me thinking more and more about like the past and you know, like s- some basic approaches or ways of like you know, like I try to do things or that we try to do things, and and it's weird because it it is very um it can be applied in like other instances and other scenarios, obviously, so. Um, you can, I, I remember even just like when we did, you asked a question about when we like, you know, did we start meeting other like bands or peers or just people once we we started playing and, you know, we met people and they, they were like, they had, you know, we played with bands and, you know, I, it, it's weird because like, I, you know, it wasn't like a diss to them or anything, but I was always like, well, this sounds more kind of like they're trying to sound like something or whatever. And maybe that's just the way they learn to play music or whatever. Um, but I was just always like, man, like it just seems more interesting to me personally to try to like go down like a, a, like a slightly like different path or just like, you know, like try to do something weird or unique or different. And that's why it's just like, it's so weird to me that so many people are so like, like conservative and just like narrow minded about like thinking of alternative ways to just like, you know, do things or handle our existence. So, um, I know it always comes back to like the music, the DIY thing, you know, like, so. It matters. I think what you said, you know, sort of like the, the, that mentality, I can meet someone and realize very quickly if they're, and I'm not saying I'm not going to like someone if they're not, but I have a instant, camaraderie or understanding with someone and I don't need to explain anything. Yeah. Yeah. That's like a, that's like a very special thing. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, like obviously like being, you know, being in bands, playing shows with bands and it's all, it all is very DIY. You really are interacting with them and, you know, and, and you know, it's like always great to meet new people and different people, but still sometimes it's like, I, for me personally, I, I felt there was very few people that I really connected with who like, I felt like if I really like spilled my guts about what I think about and where I'm coming from and why I do shit, like, you know, like, are they going to look at me like I have three heads or, you know, or are they going to understand where I'm coming from? So yeah, that was always like a thing, you know, you play with a band and they're good. It, it might not necessarily like, you know, they're really nice people and they're really, like, maybe they're really good, but it might not be like, your thing, like your cup of tea or whatever the saying is. But then like you might occasionally meet someone who's like playing music or like, you know, that maybe they're just someone else who's there listening to it. But it's just like, for some reason, you know, there's just like a connection. They get, 
they get where you're coming from that you're like this weird weirdo who's trying to like kind of like go down this like like weird path carve a new path so like that's always good when that happens that's perfect <laughs> dude i um i know we spoke way over what i said it would be but we had some technical difficulties and um but yeah, that's right. i'm really psyched that we got to chat and i hope you had a good time and i hope you had fun and yeah there... yeah it's it's cool like i because i don't i don't usually talk to anyone about this stuff and it's cool that you actually have an interest and like i appreciate that very much and it means like a lot to me you know so um so yeah it's cool thank you man if there's anything that I can ever help, please tell me. Um, if it's stuff that you're working on or things that, whatever. It just, I, I'm, I love kind of being the, not, not, I don't love being, that's a stupid way of saying it, but I, 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 I cherish being able to help because I think there's, um, again, the name is out there. People know about your bands, even if it's UOA or even if it's, you know, Convocation, like, but is there a thing online that a kid's going to be able to go to and that just finds out about it from the Philippines tomorrow and now he's going to have a place to go and learn and maybe that affects him. And I don't know. I feel like it's like you getting, again, putting it out in the world, there'll be a kid that's going to listen to this and be like, Oh fuck, I found it. I'm going to do it. And so anything that I can help on your side. I appreciate that. Cause you are like the catalyst in that sense. Cause it's, it, it's funny because I remember probably, well, like when YouTube when YouTube really started to take off in the mid two thousands to the late two thousands, like other I, you know other people pointed out to me like oh someone like uploaded the Moss Icon song and it's like it has like you know seventy thousand views or listens or whatever and I was just like what like I mean yeah we sold a couple thousand records back in the day but. I was just like, that's so weird. And then like, I started realizing like, you know, looking at the comments and it was like, a lot of it had to do with like the more modern sense of like the term emo and that genre. And just, you know, like it seemed like it was young kids who were probably into these bands that were like, you know, on major labels and like basically to me were like pop music, but, um, you know, because they probably started like researching what emo was all about. Cause like there was a band that was like a popular band that they had easy access to. And, and then they're probably so that, you know, it was funny reading these comments and like people were like talking about bands. Like I didn't even, I'd never even heard of them. Like, I didn't know what the fuck they were talking about, but they're like, like, Oh, this is emo or, and, but then some people are like, Oh, but no, this band's real emo. That stuff is like whatever pop music. So, it was like, I mean, you know, it was like a weird, like cultural, like analysis or something like, and I was just like, so there was that, that level of it, like just that there was like this debate going on amongst these people on the internet about like what was real or what was like old or what was new or, you know, what they liked. But then it was also like, obviously, you know, like there wouldn't have been that many people checking it out if it hadn't been for the fact that it was connected to like that broader, like subgenre of music. And, you know, I mean, I'm mostly just saying that cause I found it kind of like intriguing. It was just like funny. I don't lose, lose sleep over it. People can call it like blah, 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 or whatever they want, like whatever they, whatever suits them. But, um, but I guess like, I also thought about it. It's kind of like more like kind of funny or jokingly, like, I mean, a lot of these people who are checking out like 
this song by this old band I was in who are into this very specific thing. Like if someone like forced them to like listen to the band I'm doing now, they, they might, you know, they might like it, but they also might be like, no, nah, this isn't like, I'm not into this. This isn't like the kind of shit I'm into. So it was just kind of funny that it was, it was almost like this weird, like, uh, like it's almost, I don't know. Like if, if someone like listens to like, I'm back on the internet and, or like YouTube and it's because like, you know, it was on, you know, called a certain thing, but it's really not, you know, it's almost like, it's almost like some kind of weird, like, uh, Oh, I can't think of the word like, um, I don't know. It's it's almost like playing a fucking weird trick on them or something. It's just like fucking with them. Like, it's like, you know, cause maybe they'll like it. Maybe they'll be like, Oh, this is weird and different. And they're being exposed to it under these circumstances, which normally they would have never been exposed to it. So to me that I find that interesting. Like I, that's just like, it's almost like some kind of weird, um, fuck, I can't think of the word. Like, um, Social engineering, I guess. <laughs> and it's also a certain kid that's going to, kid kid meeting everybody, that's going to peel back the layers and want to know, and want to know where this thing happened and where did it go and where did it intersect with and, oh my God, it actually went back to the 70s and it's this and I, and then they're going to start listening to all kinds of crazy shit. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's cool. And yeah, because it's at this point, like music and just like, you know, subcultures, pop culture, everything, it's it's like such a huge fucking melting pot, like huge, the, just the hugest, like, you know, like I'm like, I don't know, like I'm not good friends with, but like I'm a, acquaint, acquainted with the, the people in Beach House and like they're, they're like really nice people whenever I see them around. And but like I remember like um, my girlfriend a while back now pointing out to me, uh, like there was just like some video of them live on like YouTube, but it was like, Oh, like Jay-Z and Beyonce watching beach house. And I was like, what? That's so fucking weird. You know, it's like, and it's cool. I mean, it's just weird because it's just like, like, you know, like just not what you expect, but it's just funny how stuff has become such a, a weird you know, and I mean, the internet obviously has a lot to do with it, but it has become like such a huge melting pot. But, but then it, there's like these other things that are like pre-internet that just are interesting to me. Like, actually, this is one of the, I mean, this is like a Moss Icon related thing. And it's one of like the like m- most important compliments ever anyone's ever giving t- to me. And it was like, like 10 years ago, I was talking to this guy who's like a guy from Philly who, uh, he's in like metal bands and stuff. And, uh, you, did you, you know about that? the movie about uh, Pentagram, Bobby Liebling. Yes. Like, my friend yeah. that works at Relapse um, was working with Bobby then. Okay. Well, so like, it's a great fucking movie. This, this guy I'm talking about is one of the people that made that movie, this guy, Demian. Um, and, and he's just sort of like an acquaintance. Like I met him through some friends of mine in Baltimore, but we were talking about kind of like, kind of like when you start talking to someone you just met and you're kind of talking about their past or when you're a kid and he was like, yeah, I grew up kind of like in rural, like rural Pennsylvania. And he was like, and you know, he was like in hardcore bands or something, but he was like, but they were like, even then, like they were all like, it was very metallic. Like these are like metal dudes. And, um, and I remember him saying like, like some of my friends like said that the only emo type band they liked was Moss Icon. 
That was like the only one they liked. And like, and these are just like fucking metalhead dudes. And like, that was just like, made me feel really good. Cause it was like, Oh man, they fucking got it. Like it was totally like in a weird context. Like, cause obviously it wasn't something they would usually listen to. It sort of like was this weird crossover of like worlds, but they fucking dug it. And that's like that weird, like crossing over or like, Exposing something like some, you know, exposing like new shit to someone was just like what really, I don't know, has always like, in, like in, inspired me or just made me feel like, you know, that's an accomplishment when it's like, you know, you're not just like putting out this music in the world that sounds like 10 other bands, but it's like, there's like a, it's like a weird, you know, it's like a twist on a recipe. Like, Oh, there's this new way of like making this food or whatever. And, and it's like, or you like mix, you know, you mash up different things. And so that was like uh, a pretty cool, like thing. I always kind of come back to and think about. You should, because I mean, it goes back to your beginnings too, because of like you get being into metal. And like, I think again, in the air, there's a piece of it. And those guys picked up on it and someone outside of, it's not just like the guy running the podcast that talks to hardcore and emo bands. It's someone outside of it that picked up on it and, and understood it. And that's when you know that you made something significant. Yeah. And it's just also like everything I just said in the past five minutes, it all kind of like melts together to where it's just like, like it just fascinates me how like, you know, like, you know, human, human creative output and like, you know, culture and just like the stuff that people make and the stuff they do and how like, there's like, it, it's sort of like a lot of it kind of melts together, but then a lot of it's sort of like on its own and it just kind of comes and goes that way. So I don't know. That's always like been interesting to me, but yeah, no, I really appreciate like, um, you know, you, uh, kind of like wanting to spread, spread the, spread the word. <laughs> Rain can. <laughs>